Metricast. What does filmed for IMAX mean? It isn't just a movie that'll look great on IMAX's screens. It means that hiding from a sandstorm feels like fear in every flicker. And every triumph is felt in every sound wave. And the things we've only imagined, you can truly experience those too. That's what filmed for IMAX means. Get tickets to Experience Dune Part 2 now and IMAX's exclusive expanded aspect ratio. Hold on to your butt. Come on, sucker. Let's get it on. Oh, you want to fight? You want to fight? I do not entertain hypotheticals. The world as it is is vexing enough. You don't know anybody named Iris? I don't know nobody named Iris. Can I have a piece of toast? I don't give a damn what you think you are entitled to. We are changing the course of history as we see it. That is what Western demands. How could you do this to me? Really, I want to know. Why did you do that? What you feel only matters to you. Step back for one minute and look at the big picture. And that's all. No, no, not for the real fire. The orphans bond a family that very few can understand. Help me! Help you. <laughs> I don't do drugs. Or whatever movies with Wesley and Iris. What up and welcome to Or Whatever Movies. I am your co-host Iris and I'm here with my older brother. Wesley. Today we're talking a movie from 1987. I'm assuming one of Arnold Schwarzenegger's best of all time. The Predator. No, no, the Predator. No, stop. Do it again. Predator. See, you have to understand. Now that you're here, you can bypass Predator 2 if you want, and you can watch The Predator. You're welcome to use my, it's on my iTunes, but you'll never make that mistake again. Okay, so walk me through all the Predators. It depends if we're going chronologically, but let's just go with how I remember them. There's Predator, the original, which is what we're talking about today. Predator 2, Alien versus Predator, Alien versus Predator 2, Requiem. Then there was Predators, Robert Rodriguez produced film. And then there was Shane Black, who plays the role of Hawkins in this movie. The original writer and producer returning to form with The Predator, which everyone was excited about. Shane Black, of course, known for such fare as Iron Man 3 and The Nice Guys. Shane Black, who plays Hawkins, wrote and produced Predator? Shane Black was hired to do rewrites on the script by Jim Thomas, and he was on set to rewrite the script as they went and just happened to be put in the film as well. I mean, he has a pretty major role for happening to be put in the film. Yeah. I think I want to conduct the first part of this episode as an interview. Okay. I I assume in this case I'll be the the interviewee. Yes. Go. (laughs) So is Predator Arnold Schwarzenegger's best film? I don't think so. I think that would have to go to Terminator 2. It was a better movie in spite of Arnold Schwarzenegger's performance. I don't know that he was great, but he was wooden. He was, well, I guess more more steel, but he was stiff as the Terminator. He was definitely dynamic in this role, but I don't know that his dynamic range of acting was anything of note. The joke from this movie came that uh, it was originally considered for Stallone. They're like, well, Rocky's fought everyone. Like, in order to make another Rocky movie, he'd have to fight, like, E.T. or something. And someone was like, ooh, we should make a movie about a tough guy fighting an alien. The predator in this film is an alien? Yes. An alien warrior? When does this alien warrior arrive on Earth? 
a long time ago, I guess, or for, for, it's been there for a long time. This mythology is established later on in the second movie, especially in the uh, the Alien versus Predator movies when those two universes were linked, tenuously, I might add. But people love comics, so what are you going to do? So yeah, Anna, um, our token South American woman, which, was that a thing? Because there's also one in Running Man. There's a lot of this movie that was in Running Man. But yeah, I think in the 80s that was a token. It should be noted that Anna was played by Elpidia Carrillo, who, as I mentioned before, when you had no context, didn't show up again. I thought she was a one-off that just happened to be around and they cast a local or something. She didn't surface in a major movie again until The Tax Collector, when she was the mom in in What's-His-Name's Family. And I was like, holy cow, that's the girl from Predator. Wild. So so her people had known about the predator what did they call it the devil the devil who men as trophies that's it the demon who makes trophies of men <laughs> with the appropriate accent on the s so okay those were just asides anna's people you know established that predator's been around but we don't know exactly how long well since she was a little girl at least that she's been aware and but she's all of what 20 in this movie okay does it eat people nope what does it eat I don't know. Um, Maybe it eats. I mean, I guess. But whatever it eats, I bet it eats it messy. With like ripping out the spine first? Yeah. Digging in those mandibles. Did Carl, did Dylan know that the predator was out there? I don't know. I didn't even know the predator was out there. When we pan across the scene before we have real context for what this thing's ability to camouflage, the predator is in the scene. In the scene. Like Alien. It's hard to know because it was the director cut of Alien, but at one point the alien, the xenomorph, the fully formed one, is hanging in the chains before it gets bred. But because we have no context for what it looks like, we don't recognize that that's what it is until you see it after the fact. And you're like, it's right there. But in that pan scene, it's there. We just don't know it yet. So like if you go back and look at that first scene, you can see it? Yes, (laughs) yes. So Carl Weathers did dupe Arnie and team, but not in terms of the Predator. Right. So what was his ruse? Well, it was about this general or whatever, but I guess it was using them as big dumb muscle for political purposes, right? He was going to use, get some information that was going to leverage further operations. But in order to get to that information, those documents, because he's like jackpot when he's going through the, the files, he needed muscle to get to those files. So like extraction level, like let's prey upon the A-team's humanitarianness and then and like dupe them? Sure. With a twist. <laughs> Who is the most sympathetic character? Well, the easy answer would be Anna, but maybe Mac, the Bill Duke yeah. character. Mac. I mean, Mac Blaine was really his friend and he was the quiet, reserved, contemplative one. He was the most in touch. You know, he saved Dylan's ass from the scorpion and then lost a little bit. He was the most emotionally centered and present character. Yeah, he has the real beef with the predator or the real bone to pick right after. Both analogies being appropriate. Yep. (laughs) With Jesse Ventura being blasted open. Yeah. The predator. So the predator doesn't won't attack you if you're unarmed it's just no sport all at once it can hunt anything but man is the most dangerous enemy they should make a movie with that title but if man is unarmed 
then he won't harm right. a human. Unless that human is a threat by other means. If Anna picks up the gun, then Dutch is going to knock it out of her hand right away. It's just a theory. It's a working theory to avoid being killed. Okay. So, but doesn't it seem a little bit unfair that he has his little shoulder gun and like his blue laser? As they called it, the parrot gun? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, all hunting is unfair. I mean, you're going out to shoot a a buck, and yes, the buck is armed with, with violent antlers or whatever. But if you shoot the buck through the neck with an arrow from afar, it's just your ability to convince yourself that you're smarter than your prey. Okay. I guess. Did they realistically have that much ammunition? <laughs> no. So the minigun, the ironically titled minigun that Blaine hauls out, a completely impractical weapon, not seen again in a major movie like this until The Matrix, at which point it was mounted on the side of a helicopter, as it should be. That would have been, you know, a thousand pounds of ammunition that he would have had to have haul, away, haul around, especially when Mac goes nuts and cuts down the jungle with it. Not well, Matt goes nuts, and then they all follow suit. It's like a chorus of nutso gunmen. Yeah. I mean, this movie is just ramping up to a stage where you can let the tough guys unleash in one way or another, right? Yeah. It's like, guys, there's a tree to pull down. Let's all take off our shirts and strain. <laughs> Arnold doesn't even need to flex for his bicep to bulge like that. See, it's true. And he was in peak physical condition, but all of these guys were huge and massive and there was so much competition on set. They were trying to one-up each other by getting up a little bit earlier so they can get their pump in. And at one point, Jesse Ventura found out from costuming that his arms were bigger than Schwarzenegger and he was loving it. And he's like, I'll bet you a bottle of champagne that my arms are actually bigger than yours. And so Arnold paid off the, uh, the wardrobe person to say that his were, and so Ventura lost a bet. He rigged the game? Yeah. That's what you got to do. It's it's war out there, man. That's like the war of the governators. So because this is so different in tone, I actually don't have a handle. I think this came after The Running Man, correct? I mean, it all meshes Um, together in my 10-year-old brain because I lived it in practical time. Yeah, well, I think I remember from an IMDb casting call video that this was after The Running Man, and that Schwarzenegger turned down like Superman to do this. What? Like, but th- that he was also a star. So like at one point in his trajectory is this movie. This is after the Terminator, after Conan and all that stuff, but before Terminator 2. So like Stratosphere was certainly Terminator 2. And Predator was a huge hit by none other than John McTiernan, who had maybe the greatest back-to-back since Jurassic Park and Schindler's List, With even though those happened afterwards. He came with The Incomparable Predator and Die Hard a year after each other, movies that he directed. Oh, man. Pretty big deal. Top of his game. But Die Hard warranted inclusion in the, uh, the film preservation registry or whatever as being historically or aesthetically significant, and Predator has yet to uh, achieve that uh, accolade. <laughs> Was the tracker a Native American guy? Oh, man. Billy? Yeah. That was Sonny Landham. I I don't know what his actual background is. I guess that he was vaguely that kind of person. But Sonny Landham is, is famous for having been the toughest dude of the bunch. Legend has it that he had bodyguards on set not to protect Sonny Landham, but to protect other people from him. Apparently, when he was uh, when he was drunk, things could get very quickly out of hand. And you don't want to you don't want to flare up the egos of people like Schwarzenegger and Ventura because people will really get hurt. 
Yeah, I don't know where I'd come down on that bet. So so what is his character? I don't know. He was there. He was the dude that was going to draw blood and stand toe-to-toe with his enemy in, in their natural setting or whatever. He was the honor, the good death. Well, I mean, did he sacrifice himself? Yes. Those kinds of deaths, honorable as they may be, like are so unnecessary. I'm guessing that you figure that a lot of the motivations of dudes like this are probably unnecessary. But he was going to stop running. He was going to face this creature, you know, on his own ground. He was going to make a stand. He drew the knife across his chest to draw blood because he knew that it would draw it to him. But he was going to have it out. And if he was going to go to his death, it was going to be a good death and an honorable one. And he wasn't going to go scrambling through the underbrush to get to the choppa. Speaking of choppas, what is the most memorable quote? Not only the most memorable quote for this movie, it's very obvious, but also Arnold Schwarzenegger's supposed favorite quote from all his catchphrases. Get to the choppa endures beyond anything else. And second to that, really? maybe, I mean, you know, there's over here, over here. And that's cool and you quote that a bunch but then also one that he's particularly proud of is when he he stabs the guy and then stick he's like around. stick around and that's yeah that was apparently improvised on set i mean that's another running man thing or maybe that's just an arnold schwarzenegger thing yep. with all the the one-liners but what about i ain't got time to bleed yeah that's pretty good but it's also for jesse ventura who was known primarily as a wrestler at that point before he became the governor uh yes so this is the second, the reunion battle of the governors. What's the first one? The Running Man. Oh, he was in that? Dude, remember when they had the big fight in spandex in the room? And <laughs> that was Jesse Ventura and Arnold Schwarzenegger head to head. This is the second time. Even though Oh, he was fight. one of the official guys. He was yeah. one of the sanctioned guys. What Central or South American country are they in? And is it relevant at all? It has a name, but no, I don't think it is. I don't know that they name it. Yeah, maybe not. But I don't think it was necessarily a real place any more than it was in Commando. It's just a place where they can get out of the way, where when there's something hunting in, in the jungle, no one can hear you scream. Is that a alien reference? Yeah. Oh, man. I don't know. What? I mean, you were, te- you were 10. Brian was 8. I feel like this is just one of those movies that you saw at the right age and at the right time cinematically. And then it just was indelibly marked in your brain. This was before I could find anything wrong. Even still, the Predator holds up pretty well. You know, some of the things that you mentioned, like the unwieldy, unnecessarily unwieldy guns, and the fact that they expend 85% of their ammo just cutting down the trees, even though they don't have, you know, they haven't visually acquired their target. It's whatever. But it's one of those movies where it felt seamless enough to my 10-year-old, 11-year-old brain that I couldn't process anything except the awesomeness of it. (laughs) And therefore, you saw it how many times? I I cannot count the number of times, but it it doesn't matter. I know this movie by heart. At what point did we accept and allow ourselves to bypass the Arnold Schwarzenegger accent? Well, to my brain, they were in somewhere remote and isolated, and it never factored in. Therefore, it's equally as plausible that Dutch should be a presumably American ranger or whatever he was. Life is hard, but finding a really great podcast makes the days go by so much easier. Hi, my name is Blue Toulousma. I'm a writer, an emotional intelligence coach, and the host of Humanize with Blue Toulousma 
a podcast where we believe that when you humanize everyone in the room, a great conversation is almost guaranteed. Join us every week here on ElectroCast as me and my guest co-hosts unpack big topics and interview even bigger personalities with a sense of humor and a dash of mischief. If you're looking for a new best friend in your head, we've got you covered. I never questioned it until watching Arnold movies recently, but like it is so strong and he never lost it. Like, no, that's his thing. Penelope Cruz, Antonio Banderas, Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's their Salma Hayek. It's their quirk. Yeah, but they don't play non-Latino or Hispanic characters like (laughs) like he's playing. What is it? A special forces or like a marine major? Yep. Like he plays a robot for God's sake. <laughs> oh yeah, also with an accent. Yes, that's it was what just I'm it was just too early. It came in under my radar, so I never questioned it, and now it's so firmly in place. I'm like, "Wait, you can't change it. That would be weird." But I mean, pretty much from the top. Yeah, like super strong, not masked in any way. Dylan, you son of a bitch or whatever he says. <laughs> Got you to p- pushing yeah. too many pencils? That's terrible, Arnold. <laughs> I'm not going to use that. I'm going to cut that out. Uh, come on. You have to keep that. Stick or what around. about when he looks at the, when he criticizes the predator and like gets all, gets all petty and calls Number him ugly. One. Ugly. Mother. And then they cut it because it's really easy to edit it. He says, you're one ugly mother. And then the predator roars and drowns him out. And that was the Let's edit. talk about the creature. So what was with the like... You know how Mac goes all crazy and then, like, murders the boar or the pig? Yep. Like, he kind of wasn't that far off. I mean, why is the predator all, like, pig-looking? If you haven't heard this before, this will blow your mind. This is the second. This is the good incarnation of the predator. This is him looking way better and way cooler. Kevin Peter Hall plays the predator, and he also plays the helicopter pilot at the end who asks Dutch, even though he's bloody and all white for some reason, from the ash or something? Are you all right? That's the predator. But <laughs> I the think it's original, the dry mud. The original predator, when he was known as the hunter, because they were going to do all the CGI stuff to him, they needed a color that was in direct contrast to all the earth tones and the green of the of the jungle. So the original predator was almost bird-like. Think Kevin from Up. Um, was bright red. Was really stupid looking. Kind of pear shaped. And featured inside the suit one Jean-Claude Van Damme. No. Who bitched that he could he nobody could see his face, that he couldn't do martial arts properly in this big, cumbersome, heavy costume, and which looked utterly ridiculous. So the uh, they shot their dailies or their rushes or whatever, and the executives got some wind of what was happening out in the jungle, and they're like, No, 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 we're not we're not doing this. There's actually a few shots when he kills Hawkins, when the predator kills Hawkins and drags him into the desert. That's actually Jean-Claude Van Damme in the suit hauling the body away. But the predator is masked with its camouflage, so you can't tell. But all we have to do is take one look at this, at this, at the original Hunter and be like, that's ridiculous. Um, it famously, Stan Winston was uh, responsible for the predator design, got on a plane with none other than James Cameron sitting next to him. And he was talking about, hey, what are you working on? Oh, I'm working on this design for this hunter creature. And James Cameron was like, you know what would be cool? I always really wanted a creature that had like like a monster with mandibles on it. And he was responsible for that element of the design. But little tiny Jean-Claude, 5'7", Jean-Claude Van Damme or whatever, became like 7'5", Kevin Peter Hall. 
because already these dudes are ridiculously big, you know, Arnold and you needed someone to be imposing and for someone to be a worthy adversary against these bodybuilder uh, wrestler types. So you're saying that his like piggy face is like cool, but only in contrast to how badly it could have gone. I mean, he's super cool looking, right? And he's got the dreadlocks and everything and he's scary and he's tough and wearing fishnets and stuff. But when he pulls the mask off, that's kind of at the last moment. And I'm not saying that the predator face looks cool necessarily. I'm saying that when he pulls the mask off, it is pretty scary because we don't have to see how dumb he looks most of the time. Okay, so were the dreads just fashion or were they all little air tube things? I don't know. They were just meant to look cooler because honestly without the it's like me i've got a gigantic head and without all my hair kind of framing it properly it just looks like a giant head on top of this like (laughs) wobbly neck so because that mask is so huge i think that they had to kind of round it out with the dreadlock things okay but then he pulls out one of them and it hisses and and air or fog or something comes out of it yeah i got the sense that that was the connectors on the mask. I don't think he pulls out a dreadlock. He pulled out, he pulled off one of the mask pins or whatever. So obviously I'm a noob when it comes to Predator. How much glycerin do you think that they went through? Because these guys were pretty lubed up the entire, <laughs> the entire film. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm, I hope glycerin isn't flammable. Is Carl Weathers supposed to look imposing in this group or he's, I know he's a pencil pusher or whatever, but like he seemed kind of past prime in this. I don't know. I mean, he was there for all the Rocky movies. I have a special love for Carl Weathers. He disappeared for a long time and recently resurfaced in The Mandalorian, but uh, he was in Action Jackson as, as well. He's definitely a tough guy, but he's got a weird Michael B. Jordan prettiness that prohibits him from being imposing or scary. I think he makes a good, good guy action hero, even if he was full of betrayal in this movie. Yeah, he does have that eyeliner eyes and like that little twitchy mustache. He's so cute. And that pretty boy smile. <laughs> Whereas Bill Duke was kind of, um, Mac was kind of uh, the five bloodsy. Well, that's Bill Duke's thing. He's always been scary. He's pretty old now. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Arnie was looking pretty old in uh, Last Fate. Terminator Dark Fate? Dark Fate. Yeah, that's old Arnold polished. That's him with his uh, his hair dyed. and uh, But yeah, he's all white now. All messed up. Just had another heart surgery. Bad knees. Oh, really? Yep. It's funny. Like, I was watching the trailer to this, and it says something to the effect of, like, you have to be more than human and more than animal. You have to become, like, the spirit of the predator or something. But I was totally thinking it was going, like, you have to become a Boy Scout. <laughs> In order to beat the predator, like he gets all crafty. Oh yeah, MacGyver. And, and he's he's using hunting and trapping techniques. Uh-huh. And these are all like legit, like time honored hunting traps and techniques and stuff, like whittling the little Y shaped stick and fitting it into notches and all that kind of stuff, and the yep. blinds and all that. Like, how does him going all Boy Scout allow him to actually beat the predator? Well, he can't defeat the predator on his own terms as prey goes right you're basically stalking tracking and killing your prey but what you don't anticipate are the kinds of traps that one might lay for the prey being used on you it's like home alone in the jungle (laughs) but that is how he ends up besting him by like dropping the big log on him right 
singular in focus is the predator and thinks he has the humans figured out. But this is lateral thinking on the human's part, and rather than just running and assuming the role specifically of prey, in a way you are hunting the predator as well. Does the mud really obscure your body heat? No, none of this works. He didn't put mud on his eyeballs. <laughs> he looked pretty badass, though. Yeah, looked pretty badass. In fact, that was clay. It was modeling clay to make it stick. And it got so wet and so cold that Schwarzenegger almost got hypothermia from it. Oh. So maybe because it was so cold, maybe it masked his body temperature, but not practically speaking. It's not like he rubbed it in a, in a way that it would obscure all the body heat. Yeah, I particularly liked how he had to like scoop up a little bit of the clay from his body and like look at it and be like, you can't see me. Just in case we missed the fact yeah. that he was under the uh, predator's radar. Right. Did he in fact fashion a bow out of like jungle wood? Yeah, like a, a bow, bow that was arrow? so strong that it could shoot an arrow. I don't know if was it a wooden arrow or did he have like steel arrows or something? Shoot an arrow through a tree. Well, it had some kind of explosive at its end, right? Yeah, well, he used he had explosive ammunition, I'm sure, but it wasn't like Rambo level arrows. If you you might not recall cuz this is kind of a very specific detail, but he wrapped up like gunpowder in little leaves. Yeah, cuz he broke open know. the the big shells, the M80 shells that he had. Or is that what those shells. Were? He had the two shells that he clinked together in his hands like uh, like boingo balls or whatever they're called. Are you talking what about are, the Chinese? The, like... wa, the, the, wa, the was, wasu balls, the su, susu balls or whatever. <laughs> anyway. Does he have a full-on grenade launcher that he shoots at the encampment? Uh, Yeah, at some point. Rocket-propelled grenade. I mean, couldn't they have been just as effective waiting until night and yes. then, like, going in and raiding it? Like, did they have to blow up the entire thing? And wouldn't that also compromise their ostensible hostages? All we're trying to do is get to the Predator. Did it work? And I mean, blow would stuff the truck, up along the way? Would the truck generator have rolled that far without a tire through the leaves? Don't know. But it would have been way harder to shoot on camera. It looks way cooler during the day. And so I'm glad they infiltrated that camp. In full daylight. What other trivia is must know? <laughs> Let me think. <laughs> Apparently, one early idea was that the predator should travel through the treetops. And they were going to actually have it do a monkey-like kingdom of the crystal skull swing through the trees. Thankfully, they abandoned that one. But the Tarzan aspect it does remain. Did you laugh when he raises the torch and roars like Tarzan? <laughs> Well, he, he, he does a full-on Tarzan vine swing yeah, prior to, the, to that. Yeah, to the tree, right. I mean, you kind of have to admire the guttural, animalistic roar thing that he does. Like, <laughs> I, yeah, I kind of laugh, but it was kind of like a, oh, man, like, his commitment to that and how kind of believable it is coming from his character is, like, you kind of got to give it props. Yep. I mean, he he's uh, definitely committed, right? I mean, if how do you not watch this and go, yeah, and go and like what? have that be your entire response? <laughs> that was my lowest register, yeah, ever. Yeah. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. And there was a shift around the 90s or mid-90s or so where, like, you know, these pretty boy, not built body types became our action heroes. Yep. And, like, when Wicks. you look at this, exactly. Oh, so... 
It's Keanu's fault? No, not at all. I'm not saying it's anyone's fault. He just happened to be in the right place at the right time. If you would look at Arnold Schwarzenegger today, if we didn't have the precedent of his career for the last 30, 40 years, you look at him and think, uh, the last name's not right. Sorry, it's not commercially marketable. That accent is atrocious, and, and he's he doesn't have any other accent, as he's well demonstrated, uh, trademark or not. But he's an unlikely action star, and he's gigantic, and people like Stallone were forever trying to keep up with him. I think Schwarzenegger is 6'2", and Stallone at best is 5'9", and awfully jacked, and, and, and when he works on his body like that, they make a point to showcase it, and for this particular time, that was everything. And I think when the age of Van Damme came and Steven Seagal and things where it was more about technical skill instead of brawn, it changed, thankfully, I think, for the better because we don't have very many people that are this capable. Of brawniness? Yeah, of just of sheer beefcakeness. I mean, even in this particular crew, Hawkins and, and Poncho are so un, unmemorable. Next, Hawkins and Poncho next to Billy and even uh, Mac next to Dylan and Dutch and, and Blaine is ridiculous. They were pretty ripped dudes in in their own right. I guess. Just not comparatively. So it went from like the brawny beefcakes to the like more skilled martial artists. And then it just went to like full on like skinny, unlikely dudes like the Jake Gyllenhaals and Keanu Reeves. And look, he's kind of beefcake. Dude, you should see Jake Gyllenhaal in uh, Southpaw. Scary ripped. Oh, yeah. That was the boxing movie, right? Yep. Totally underappreciated. Underrated. So, yeah, this kind of exists in its own little ageless, timeless universe. I'm guessing that Predator is one of three, maybe four totalies that you've ever given. There can be a lot to pick apart for this movie. I'm not even going to bother. Everyone in this movie, if they're still alive, regardless of their age, can totally kick my ass. I have undying love for this movie and no flaws, of which I, I will concede there, there are probably many. Can touch my rating of totally for Predator 1987. A movie like My Octopus Teacher... <laughs> that is singular in its focus, that is very aware of what it is and true to itself. I, it's kind of a wonder with how much you love this film that I didn't see it growing up. Like the only thing I remember from watching this film is the little piggy face. And when he pulled off that mask, I had this flood of like memory and emotion come over me. Like, I know this film and this has like some kind of weird place in my nightmares, but otherwise have not seen it at all. <laughs> and it was a bathroom of terror. And it was a bathroom of terror, which I, you know, now admittedly I can say without... Um, embarrassment I didn't understand or appreciate at the time but now I do I've seen Predator it's finally happened it's so not for me Say it, it wasn't for me in 1987 Say it's it. not necessarily for me in 2020 necessarily but I give it good. good and that's our rating for 1987's Predator one of Wesley's totally movies a good from Iris let us know what you think Hit us up, 818-835-0473 or whatever, movies at gmail.com. We love to do movie favorites. So if you have one that you'd like for us to cover and review, please let us know. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.
Welcome explorers of the human experience. This is Let's Talk Soul and I'm your host Claudia Monicelli. We're not afraid of the great mysteries of existence here. Soul versus consciousness, we're on it. Spirituality versus science, we've got that covered too. Join us in navigating these profound topics with wisdom, curiosity, and a dash of audacity. Whether you're a spiritual veteran or just starting your journey, Let's Talk Soul is your passport to the unknown. Let's Talk Soul, diving into the depths of the human spirit. Subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, I'm DC. I host the Rock Podcast. Back to the arena, the interviews. It's about a 30-minute podcast where I talk one-on-one with a band who has released new music. You can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and more. If you're a rock band like me, subscribe today to Back to the Arena, the interview. Electric Acid. Electric Acid. 